unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my got a new sheet for you if you who hasn't got the new sheet tonight okay where's my where's my passer outer there you go take care of these for me please we've got extra sheets I know several parents have asked there's some here that stays on the front pew you're welcome to what you want whatever's up here all right let's begin with the books of the bible go from there ready Remember loud and clear and together. One, two, three. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, First Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, St. Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, let no one's to him be long. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Climb up the mountain. Notice the grasses. Tell everyone. Measure the rainbow. God made this whole world beautiful for me. Now, did y'all get your judges? Anybody need a judges that didn't get one? Somebody, would you ever help me again? Sorry. All right, while they're passing out, remember the judges? God set judges over Israel, one brave woman. 
They helped Israel fight their battles, led them back to God from sin. Othniel, Ethan, Shemgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jer. Jephthah, Isbeth, Elon, Abdon, Sepsar, Eli, Samuel. All right, what's the key verse of authority in all the Bible? Colossians, what? All right, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Remember our theme song from Boom Boom this year? Ready? I can do all th- I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. One more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. Huh? Okay, here. Now, I did a... Uh, I typed out some of the songs that we've learned, and we're going to learn just the words to them, so uh, I thought that might help you. Uh, what is the verse that we can sing about that will make you understand how important it is to trust God? Proverbs 3 what? 3, 5, and 6. 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. Now there's a new one we're going to learn tonight. If somebody ever asks you, why do you believe in God? You can sing this song. And it's the most deep and accurate argument that you can make. Hebrews 3 and 4. Can you say Hebrews 3 and 4? Hebrews 3 and 4. Every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. When you see a house, what do you know? Somebody built it or just pop in there to existence? Somebody had to build it, right? Okay. Same thing with the creation. Somebody had to make it. Let's sing it again. Every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Okay. What? That's exactly right. That's a very good point. All right. If I say here, you say? No. If I say here, you say? Believe. Let's start all over again. Listen. Focus. If I say here, you say? Believe. Repent. Confess. Okay, no. Acts 8, 37. Be baptized. Be baptized. Uh, live faithful. Rip. Right, let's try that again. You see me walking towards you at Walmart and I say, here, what do you say? Don't run if I say that to you, okay? Alright. Believe. Believe. John 8, 24. Repent. Confess. Acts 8, 37. Okay? Be baptized. Acts 2, 38. Live faithful. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Let's see, see the shorter version. Here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized in the water. Rise up again to walk with Christ and live like you are. One more time. 
Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized in the water. Rise up again to walk with Christ and live like you ought to. How many elders do we have here? Four. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Boonville has four elders. They're good men, as you'll see. There's Jim Estes, Larry Morgan, and... Don't forget... These are our four elders and good shepherds too. All right, excellent. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits all within my soul. Love, joy, peace, and faithfulness. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Gentleness and self-control. These are good fruits in our soul. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. Now those songs are written down. Okay, Of course the team's not, but uh, you can get the words in the order that we sing them. Time is running out and I want to sing us a new song tonight. It's kind of a fun song, okay? Y'all know the song Pleasure being a caterpillar? Y'all heard that? Huh? We're going to learn that one, okay? Y'all got it? Let me see Fuzzy. It's a caterpillar. You got him? Fuzzy was a caterpillar. He wiggled up a tree. He wiggled long. He wiggled short. He wiggled right at me. I put him in a little box. Don't go away, I said. But when I opened up that box, it was a butterfly instead. No, I could never make one. Not even if I tried. Only God, our Heavenly Father, can make a butterfly. Squiggly was a tadpole. He wiggled in the lake. He wiggled long. He wiggled short. He wiggled like a snake. He go, whoo! Okay, you scared of snakes, right? I put him in a little jar. Don't go away, I said. But when I opened up that jar, it was a hopping frog instead. Oh, I could never make one. Not even if I tried. A hopping frog was made by God just like the butterfly. Okay, I thought more of y'all might know that, but we'll learn that. All right, let's go. Good. All right, let's close out with that questions, all right? What is true success in life? Okay, half of you said it together and half of you didn't. All right, let's do the next one. What's true failure in life? Living your life Okay. And what is God's ideal for marriage? One man for one woman for life. Why were you made to glorify God? And because God made you, what does that mean? I didn't hear it. Say it louder. Okay. That's exactly right. All right. It's Monday tomorrow, right? Got to get ready for school. What are you going to do all day tomorrow? I will do my best. I will never give up and let God take care of the rest. And I'll always remember that right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. It's never right to do wrong, and it's never wrong to do right. And that's right because the Bible is right. Okay? All right. One, two, three. One and two, Jesus loves you. Three and four. Five, six, seven. Eight and nine. 
Now we've sung right up to ten. We don't have time to sing it again. All right, that's great. Y'all did a good job. Now I have. Would you lead the? Would you lead our prayer in just a minute? Okay, I forgot to ask somebody to lead the prayer. All right, just a couple of updates. Uh, first of all, we're very glad that you're here tonight. We had a good crowd this morning. It looks like we have an equally uh, good crowd tonight, and uh, we are so thankful that you're here. Uh, also, uh, I need to mention that sometimes things that leave my head uh, come out my mouth differently, and that was the case this morning. And I knew it when I did it, but I did it anyway. Uh, we want to remember the uh, basket that's been left in the back for uh, Cameron and Jenna Beard. Their house burned this past week, and uh, we want to reach out to them and let them know how much we love them. And uh, certainly, that's a very difficult thing to experience and to go through when you lose literally everything. And uh, let's do what we can to shower them with love. And if you can help uh, with that in any way, please uh, remember that and do that. Also, uh, I know the elders want to express uh, thankfulness to all of you for your generosity uh, with the contribution this past week. Of course, it was designated to go toward benevolence, and uh, you folks generally contributed more than $22,000. And so I think that says a lot about you. It says a lot about your heart. Uh, I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. I do want to put a small plug in for the Freed Hardeman lectureships that are now underway as of tonight. If you are able to attend one day, uh, you would be very, very blessed as a result of that. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you can uh, find some time to go a half a day or a full day or even longer, you would tremendously benefit from that. Let's now go to God in prayer before we dismiss him. Oh, hold it just real quick. Milton, Milton Floyd has COVID. Okay. There are probably others that have COVID. I think it's going to be around a little longer, longer than we think. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time and we thank you for this great privilege we've been afforded to be able to be here and to spend this time in study of your word and as we prepare to depart to our respective classes that we will open our hearts and our minds and that we'll be attentive to what we're going to study and that we'll be able to make necessary and proper application of those things. We thank you for each and every one that is here with us this evening and we ask you to be with those that are not with us due to illness or any other circumstances that may be beyond their control. And we just pray that you will watch over them and always continue to keep us in your care. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen.
better job of my instructions. JT, I wanted you to wait just a second, but that was a great prayer. Glad you got us going. Um, really appreciate that. I wasn't quite ready to get started, but we're started. JT said it's time. He was putting me on the spot there. So let me switch mics real quick and get to the, uh, the lapel here. So give me one second. All right, a couple of things, a couple of things tonight. I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to try to control the PowerPoint up here, okay? And I'll explain why I'm going to try to do that in just a minute. Um, how well that goes this tonight, it may not go well. I don't know, but that's okay. What I do know is that uh, I asked Jeremy to do crazy things sometimes, and he always figures out how to make it work in the end. So if we don't do well tonight... We will get it fixed before, uh, hopefully, before next week and get going then. All right. I do want to look, JT, again, thanks for saying the prayer for us. Um, we are going to be studying this subject, okay, which is systematic theology. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit more about what that subject means, all right, in just a minute. It's really just a fancy way of saying what I... I don't have it up here, but in a minute, just saying fundamentals of the faith and studying fundamentals of the faith. But I, I, I know JT's already said the prayer, uh, and that's okay. I still want to make sure that if there's those that you need to be uh, mindful of this week, I, I wrote down or I typed in what was in the bulletin and maybe a couple more of the individuals that we've been praying for in the auditorium class on a consistent basis. But is there anybody else that we need to be remembering that you want this audience to know so they can focus on their prayers this week for those families. Anybody else? Yes, and I, I meant to add him if I'd have had a chance to do that. Um, we got Milton Floyd. Who else? My sister-in-law. Okay. Now, what's Miss Marsh's last name again? Like that? Luther, Joe, and Nobody judge my spelling. Okay, that's fine. I'm writing it. So I'll work on that in the future. Why it's not screening? Why it's not showing up? It may just be something else. So I'll, this is this is the kind of things we're working through. Okay, I'll just bear with us. I'll get better at it. Right. Okay, Tuesday. Yeah. How's Noah? Yeah, he's been, this was like a couple weeks ago, right? All right, anybody else? Yes. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? 
Trent, Eaton, that, that's right. Anybody else? We've got an army of folks that can pray this week, so sorry you didn't get to see the names. I, I, I didn't practice this before we left, or I didn't practice this here today at least. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3. What I'll try to do next week is uh, we'll, we'll get these prayer requests. I'll ask somebody in advance to, to pray and uh, read, read a scripture, and then, uh, and then we'll say our prayer for the individuals. But I, I wanted to make sure you all heard the names of the individuals we need to be thinking about today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you could probably quote this verse, but this is the one we're going to start with tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is, um, that is what we're going to be studying about tonight. But now, let me just go ahead. Let me try to get this. Um, let me see if I can get this going a little bit better for you so you can see it a little bit better. And then I'll quit trying to write. I got to work on that. Okay. Jeremy, can you bring up the presentation for me? Let's just view it that way. Emma? Oh, okay. Great. That's awesome. All right. So, systematic theology. Um, when I signed up to teach this class and Drew and I, and then on top of that, I recruited Drew. I said, hey, Drew, why don't you come help me teach this class? Uh, Drew and I had no clue how difficult it was going to be, uh, quite frankly. And But Drew and I are doing the best we can, and we're going to do the best we can in this quarter as well. Uh, maybe you didn't, Maybe you didn't hear any, you know, too bad of comments from the Annex class. They were very kind to us no matter what. Uh, but... When I, we signed up for it, I said, hey, I, I know I can do this. Here's the reason why. Because in my library, I have this red book from Rex A. Turner. And I've actually read some of that book. And so I said, I can teach this class. This is not going to be bad. Well, then, so I signed up for it. It came around. It's time to start teaching this class. And so then I decided to text Ken. Hey, Ken, when you put systematic theology down for a subject you wanted people to learn, you got any books you think I should read? I said, I've got this red one from Rex A. Turner. He says, ah, oh, that's probably a pretty good one. Just use it. Well, thanks, Ken. I appreciate all the, that's really good. So, Ken, if you're watching, I do appreciate that advice. So, I have been using this book. So, we followed this book, or we've been, uh, we've been following this book. And, and literally, systematic theology is just a study of fundamentals, it's a way to just approach the study of the Bible or approach the study of God. And these are the 10 subjects that, you know, Lord willing, if we get a chance to, we're going to cover in this class, okay? And you'll notice all of them end with, you know, ology, which is basically the Greek phrasing of those studies. And so this is it. Tonight we'll be studying bibliology, and then we'll go through to the study of the attributes of God then we'll go to angels and demons, and then we'll study the history of man and the study of sin and the study of Christ, the study of salvation, the study of the church, study of the Holy Spirit, and then the end of times. Okay? Now, what may be, what, what Drew and I try to do, 
is we try to make sure the fundamentals are taught. But we try to go just a little... Well, let me say this. Mr. Turner. <laughs> and, and, and what we try to teach is, is a little bit deeper. We just try to go a little bit deeper into those subjects. And that's when it gets a little challenging. So I hope you'll bear with us and I hope you'll keep coming back because I think chronologically this is a great way how to study fundamentals of the faith. And that's all systematic theology is really talking about. Okay? So tonight, we're going to study the inspiration of the Bible. Okay? Now, I have this question up here, and I do want to hear your answers. Why do you think it's important we start with the study of the Bible and the inspiration specifically regarding the Bible? Why is that important? Out of all the studies, why start here? All right, JD says if you don't if you don't believe the Bible, the rest is not very important. What was you going to say? Is that what you were going to say? It's the basis. It's the basis. I've read a lot of books. I've studied a lot of different ways to teach the gospel. The method that that that. I chose, and I hate to use the word I chose, but the method that I chose, systematic approach, and the ones that I've seen are most effective, the very first thing you do with whoever you're trying to study with is make sure that you are on common ground with what you were going to use and what you're going to use as the standard. And as JT and as others have said, if you don't believe in the inspiration of the Bible... Nothing else matters, right? Now, I realize who I'm talking to. <laughs> Trust me, I get it. Everybody sitting in this room is saying, well, of course the Bible's inspired, Aaron. Of course it is. But if you were trying to prove that to somebody who didn't believe it was, how are you going to do it? Now, don't answer that yet. I'll, I'll ask that question in a second. And that's kind of where I want to go with these, these studies. I get it. You can, you can tune me out right now and you can say, I already know it's inspired. Or you can dive deeper and you can say, well, look, can I really prove that the Bible's inspired? Can I know for a shadow of a doubt? And we do, because we're sitting in here. We've, we've, been, we've been trained to make sure we know that. But can I prove it? That's really, that's really what I want to get to. But I want to, before I do that, I want to ask this question. What is... We're saying, okay, is the Bible inspired? And yes, we, of course it is inspired. Well, you, you will tell me, of course it's inspired. Well, let me ask you that question. What is inspiration? No, oh, you got to speak up if you want me to hear you. What is inspiration? Okay, you're saying the Bible was given to man through God. Therefore, that is inspiration. Okay? Somebody else got a, another definition? Thank you for speaking up, by the way. You're carrying the rest of this auditorium. The rest of y'all speak up, please. What is inspiration? Don't make me start calling names because I'm not scared to do that either. What is inspiration? Well, I'm going to go back and ask the first question. Do you believe the Bible's inspired? Yes or no? Answer that one. Well, then tell me what you believe. Thoughts into man's head. All right. 
God put the thoughts into man's head. Okay. This is an interesting subject when you really think about it. Did he tell them exactly what every word they needed to write in the Bible? Every single style, every single way? This is our subject tonight. This is what we're going to be talking about. I don't want to give it all away at the very beginning. So we're going to keep moving with our, maybe our next question. I asked this earlier, but now I want to get your answers. And I'm going to be honest, y'all are terrible at giving me answers. Y'all are going to have to pick this up, okay? If you... If you like me at all, you're going to start picking. That's terrible because y'all won't pick it up. Then I'll have my feelings hurt. Forget that last part. But let's, let's go here. Let's go here for a little bit. How do you know that the Bible's inspired? Give me one at least. All right, the Bible says it's inspired. Absolutely. Very good answer. How else do you know the Bible's inspired? It doesn't contradict itself. Okay, very good. Thank you for speaking up. Keep going. How else do you know the Bible is inspired? All right, you got prophecies that come through, come true. How else do you know? All right, faith, absolutely. That's great. Alright, so going back to put even more emphasis, right? More context on, on, on what was said. JT said it was written over 1600 years by 40 different people and there's zero contradictions. Absolutely. It's a good one. There's a couple other, there's one other kind of way that we'll talk about, but I won't get into that. Y'all did well. Thank y'all for that. I really do appreciate it. I do want to tell you tonight that, you know, one way there's four things. I see several of you writing. It's one reason why I want to put these things up here. In, in the book that I'm using to kind of guide my thoughts a little bit, and then some of the things that you know I, I just know through my own personal study, here is basically four ways, or four cases, you might say, for inspiration. And you've mentioned every one of them. You didn't really mention the third one, but that's okay. Uh, you were close with the prophecies. But the point is, we're going to talk about each one of these. The uniqueness of the Bible. We're going to talk about uh, the predictive prophecies of the Bible. We're going to talk about the figures of prophecy in the Bible. Then, of course, you know, as Doug said, we're just, the Bible tells us that it's inspired and gives us some insights. And so we're going to study that as well. Okay. So this is, this is what we're going to dive into uh, very quickly tonight in the next about 20 minutes. All right. Now. JT gave us two, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that for what it's worth. I was going to write your answers, but I'll work on that. For some reason, they're not showing up, so I won't mess up what i got going on here. What makes the Bible unique? JT gave us two that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna re, re, to rehash, and then I want you all to give me more. He says, well, what makes it unique is it's written over 1,600 years, and it's written by 40 different writers, okay, or approximately, we, we think, 40 different writers. What else makes the Bible unique? Contradicts itself. 
It doesn't contradict itself through all of that, right? You would think there'd be at least one contradiction, but it doesn't contradict itself. What else makes the Bible unique? All right, it gives us the plan of salvation. That's the importance of it, absolutely. The contents of it. What else makes it unique when it comes to inspiration? All right, it tells us where we came from. So again, content. Well, okay, so it, 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 was, it came together, you know, around 2,000 years ago, and it's still in existence, and it's still as powerful as it was then, okay? Thank you, very good, Drew. What else makes it unique? It's written in three languages, but you were close, very good. It's written in several languages. What else makes it unique? This is important. I want y'all to dive into this. And the reason why I'm pounding this a little bit, I want to be real with you. I grew up just knowing it was inspired. I grew up with faith. There was no doubt in my house. There was no doubt how I was raised. There's been no doubt in my 43 years of existence that every word of the Bible is inspired, but I never stopped really to think about how awesome that is and how unique it is. Yes, Stephen. One thing that amazes me is that through the years, you go back and study historically and even, even now, as it unfolds, every time man learns something, whether it's uh, scientifically or medically or... or uh, that the Bible has already been there. The, the, that supports the Bible. Never disproves it, but the Bible supports what man figures out. You know, yeah. uh, I've forgotten the article that about the uh, uh, calendar or, or something that NASA was trying to do, and someone remembered the scripture about uh, when uh, God when it moved time backwards a little bit and they did their calculations and then everything fell into place. Yeah. As far as it, it's just amazing. And you're making me think about something else that I, that, that I kind of focused on a few months ago or a couple months ago. How many people have pressed the scriptures, have really, you know, really tried them out, tried to prove them wrong, and yet, you know, they always stay true. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, we learn how to navigate through life through examples of the Bible. Let me just give you a few. Just uh, y'all have already said most of these. So let me just kind of give you a couple that you can make sure that if you're taking notes, maybe you can. This will help you uh, if you did fill in the blanks and everything everybody said. I want you to really let this sink in. There was more than 40 different writers. They wrote under varying circumstances. Over a period of 16 centuries, these writers weren't from the same country. They didn't, many of them didn't know, most of them didn't know each other. They had a different cultural, educational, and political, they had different, all those backgrounds. And yet, and I had another slide somewhere it left me, but it was written in three languages. It was written by men who, some of them were educated, some of them were not, some of them were rich, some of them were poor. And yet, over those 16 centuries, 
over all those different writers, there was one central theme. It starts with the creation of man and the fall of man. It ends with the salvation or damnation of every single man, woman that's ever walked this earth. And in between, it simply tells you how to live righteously in the sight of God. When you put that in perspective, this is a very unique because it's an inspired, it's inspired Word of God. Now, I realize most of you probably already knew that. But I'm not ashamed to tell you it took me to do this study to have the to have the aha moment of just how awesome this book is. We can stand here. You could literally just by these facts alone know that the Bible's inspired. But there's God's given us several other ways. So we don't even have to stop here. It's a unique book. None written like it. And uh, quite frankly, this is enough to say it's inspired. But let's move to the second case of inspiration. Which is predictive prophecies. Now, this is an obvious question, so this shouldn't be hard for you all. How... Do predictive prophecies provide proof of inspiration? They come to pass, absolutely, but we know they're inspired because why? This is an obvious one. Say it again. This is how God told them. They didn't have written word back then. Right? That's right. Since y'all are being hard-headed tonight, let me ask another question. And thank you very much. Can mortal man predict the future? Who's the only, or what's the only way a person can predict the future? Huh? If he knows the future, who gives it to him? God. So, you know, if the Bible has predictive prophecies, right? If, if it says, hey, this is going to come to pass and it comes to pass, then you know that it was inspired by God because that's the only way we can, we can know that would be the case. Anybody know how many predictive prophecies there are in the Bible? This is, this is cool to me. <laughs> Anybody want to take a guess? Let me, let me just be fair. Let me be fair. Nobody knows the answer to this in reality. And the reason why nobody knows the answer to this is because, you know, do you count every verse or if there's five verses and it's talking about the same prophecy, do you group the five verses together? So really, nobody can truly give the number. But let's just say you were counting every verse, every verse that had a prediction in it, whether or not it was repeating itself or not. How many predictive prophecies do you feel there are in the Bible? Anybody have a guess? Well, I'll give you a reference. Let me see if I can find it. I've I, I got to make sure my notes, are, my notes are in order here. And it doesn't look like, it looks like I got my page out of place here. All right. 
Well, I'll tell you that there's a, a man by the name of J. Barton Payne in his Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecies, okay? Y'all know, by the way, I like to use ChristianCourier.com. That's a good reference for any of you who want to do studies. So when I have questions like this, I go to Wayne Jackson, ChristianCourier.com, and you can search very easily and find things like this. So he had this, and he referenced, he referenced J. Barton Payne. And Mr. Payne says that in the Old Testament, he counted 1,239 predictive prophecies. In the New Testament, he counts 578 for a total of 1,817, encompassing 8,352 verses. That's pretty impressive. I didn't have time to study all those. So, I'm going to give you four that I want you to maybe write down if you're interested in these studies. These are just four of, of many. But there's people say the most convincing way or the, the most convincing case for inspiration is predictive prophecies. So if you're studying with somebody and you need to a little bit more support improving inspiration, these four are really good examples to use. Now, I'm just going to give you one, a very, very common one that you all know. And I created this slide today. Turn to Daniel chapter 2. I stole the picture. Turn to Daniel chapter 2 real quick. I, I do think this is uh, worth... Do what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Daniel 2. Let me see if I can pull it up for you so we can get some assistance here. And then I think we were, we were in around verse 31. Yeah, let's just, let's just start in verse 31, 33, then we'll drop down and read a couple more. Daniel 2, you remember this. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, and its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And that's the image that I try to depict here, or that was depicted here. This was the image that Nebuchadnezzar had. You remember that? And so then he couldn't, nobody could tell him what this meant. And so they, of course, got Daniel. And Daniel was able to come and explain this to him, which takes us down to verse 39. So if you want to go down to verse 39. And so, well, let's just go ahead and start in verse 37. Let's start in verse 37 because he explains what each one of the parts of this, this image was. He says, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. All right. Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom, head of gold. Another kingdom, though, Daniel says. Now he starts predicting, okay? Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, Strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. 
And then, of course, verse 44 is the most important because he's predicting in that day. And in the day of those kings, talking about the last one, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, or he had this image, and Daniel came and said, yeah, I'll tell you exactly what that represents. Number one, you're the head of gold. Babylon, you're the head of gold. Number two, there's going to be another kingdom, and we know through history that Persia was that kingdom starting in B.C. 539. And then he says there's going to be a third kingdom, and we know through history that was Greece. And they came along in B.C. 331 and reigned until about 168. And then the last one, the legs of iron, was Rome. B.C. 168 to about A.D. 476, somewhere around in there. And it says during this time that Rome is the world power, the kingdom is going to be established. And what was that kingdom? The church. How did Daniel know? How did Daniel know that this was the case? How could Daniel stand before King Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, I can tell you exactly how this is going to turn out. I can tell you exactly, you know, how this is going to work. He knew it because God told him what to say. Folks, that's That's inspiration. And there's several of these in the Bible. Another interesting study for you that I tried to do over this week week and this weekend was I just Googled prophecies fulfilled in Christ. Oh, and what a great... I mean, just you can get all kind of stuff, right? And I got several charts that I thought... You can't read that. I don't expect you to read it. But I got several charts that just talk about the simple prophecies that were brought out in the Old Testament that Christ fulfilled. And the only way that happens is God, God through the Spirit, gave that message to to those who wrote it. Folks, we can know the Bible's inspired because it's unique and it's full of these predictive prophecies. Now, you saw number three, and I don't want to pass this up. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because we need to, we need to move on. But we, you saw number three, and it says figures of prophecies. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, there was things that were, that were written in the Old Testament that you wouldn't have known meant something until later on. Example is in Exodus 12, 46, and I'm not going to take you there. You can write it down. But when they prepared the lamb, right, they were told not to do what? Break any bone. When they did that. Now at the time, they wouldn't have had a clue what that meant or what significance that would have had until who was crucified? Jesus. And then, oh, now I see. Now I understand why that's so important. Because they didn't break a bone in Christ whenever he was crucified or of, of his body. And then the other one is in the same chapter in Exodus 12, you know, when they were preparing for the Passover, what were they to get rid of? All what? Leaven. Now that really, what significance that would have had back then, you know, they, they, I don't know, but when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, Paul puts a lot of significance on it. And so again, you know, it's because we have 
God's word, inspired words setting in front of us, that this, these are significant. It's how they could be written and put in place thousands of years earlier to be understood in more, more deep sense later. So I wanted to cover number three quickly. You know, but Doug said right off the bat whenever I asked, how do we know the Bible's inspired? He said, because the Bible tells us so. And you know that. I'm going to give you a three, three Old Testament verses. I'm not going to cover these just for the sake of time. I'm going to give you three Old Testament verses here that you can write down. There's, by the way, many, many, many more. I just picked these three out because it just simply, you know, explains the point. So you can write these verses down real quick. Exodus chapter 24, verse 4, 2 Samuel 23, 2, Jeremiah 26, 2. And by the way, it doesn't take you long to search. You'll find what, many more verses. But I do want to take you to these verses. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Let's go to the New Testament because I feel there's some things we can learn about inspiration. Not only does it tell us that the Bible is inspired, but it gives us a little bit more insight to maybe what is meant by inspiration. Okay, so turn to Matthew chapter 10 and we're specifically going to start in verse 17. Matthew 10, verse 17. All right, so Jesus has given instructions to his uh, apostles here, and, and they're fixing to go on a mission trip. And so, our, But he's, not, he's actually given them a little bit of insight what's to come later, okay? So if you read the context, you'll, you'll get it. But in the, in the middle of this, he gives some insight to them. He says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. All right, here's the key verse. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, you know this verse, these verses. But give me a couple of insights here when it comes to inspiration and maybe what you can take from this. You know that they were going to be inspired, but what can you take from this? Give me a couple of insights real quick from these verses. One. Well, I know a lot of people sadly still claim that that verse applies to them, but inspiration is, has concluded. That's right, we're going to get to that very soon, Doug, to your point. So Doug made a point, says, look, yes, we understand that, that these, these folks were inspired, but sadly, too many people want to bring this up and apply it today. Now, we're going to cover it quickly tonight, why that's not the case, uh, because I think it's important that I mention it, but quite frankly, I'm not going to cover it in great detail until we get to the Holy Spirit. And then when we study the Holy Spirit, if we get there... <laughs> We will then do our best to cover it then, okay? Because there was a lot of gifts they had, right, Doug? And people still claim that they have some miraculous gifts. Okay, what kind of insights? Y'all help me. Don't, don't make me. Please, keep going. What insights? Simple. Don't, be, don't overcomplicate it. That's what we do with life, and that's what we do with verses sometimes. What, do you, what insights do you gather here? Let me ask you, who gave it to them? Say it louder. All right, the, Holy, the Spirit. He said the Spirit's going to give to you. And let me ask you this question. Did they need to worry about what they were going to say, yes or no? 
No, they didn't need to worry. Because what was going to happen the instance that they needed it? What was going to happen? The Spirit was going to tell them what they needed to say. Folks, that's inspiration. That's what they had. Now, Doug made the point. He's absolutely right. Unfortunately, we don't have that today because we have what? We have what they had, what they gave us, the Bible. Okay. Well, let's go to the next verse real quick. I think I still have time. Let's turn to John chapter 14, okay? Again, Jesus has given them some insight on what's going to come and how they're going to, to, to have this inspiration, okay? So we're going to turn to John chapter 14. And for the sake of time, let's start in verse 16, okay? John 14. And we will start in verse 16. He's, he, he, in verses 2 and 3, basically says, listen, I've got to leave you. So that's what he says in verses 2 and 3. I've got to go, all right? But don't worry. Don't worry is what he's saying. Don't worry. I know I've got to leave your prayer place for you, but, but I'm going to send somebody. So in verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and be with you, he says. If you drop down to verses 25 and 26, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still, uh, still with you. But the helper, who's that helper? The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to you uh, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then lastly, uh, we'll drop down to verse 29 real quick. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. For the sake of time, I'm going to just kind of jump to this. Again, the Holy Spirit is, is who gave them what they needed. And that's how... They were inspired and how we know that the, the Bible is inspired. But I have a couple more verses. We know, by the way, that the Spirit came upon the apostles in Acts chapter 2. We don't have time to teach that tonight. We'll get there. I'm going to teach you all that when we get to the Holy Spirit, okay? But 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13 is the one I want you to write down. Again, I don't have time to cover it tonight, but that's the one. Uh, and there's several others. There's several others. There's several other proofs that there's no inspiration today. But Acts 13, or, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13 is what you need to study when it comes to knowing for sure that there's no inspiration today, okay? All right. I got just a couple minutes. Let's turn to, let's, let's turn to Revelation. Uh, Stephen, turn to Hebrews 4.12 for me, okay? Stephen, you turn to Hebrews 4.12. And I'm going to turn to Revelation 22.18 and 19. I'll end with these two verses and hopefully make something that you can take away. Can you give somebody near you? Very good. Can they speak loud in a second? All right. We're going to read Revelation 20, Revelation 22, 18 and 19. I figured you could quote it. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I read Revelation because it denotes the importance of every word in the Bible. I had Stephen read Hebrews because it it demonstrates the power of every word in the Bible. You might can argue this, but I can tell I can tell you, every single one of you, what your greatest possession in this life is. You may not think it's your greatest possession, but I can stand here tonight and confidently let each of you know what your greatest possession is that you own. Because there's no other possession we have that's more valuable, more important I'm talking about that we can physically hold, by the way. I know you're all thinking salvation and other things than God's Word. To think that I hold the very words of God in my hands that He wants me to know. Folks, that I know it, I don't do a great job of maybe sharing it, but it sends chills down my back. And it's why I want to make sure all of you can rest assured when you walk out those doors tonight. You can be free. I know you've been told. I know you believe it through faith. But I want you to be for sure that every single word is from God. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you tonight for the word that you have left us. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for what it means to us. We thank you that you kept it preserved through time. We thank you that we have access to it so easily. We thank you that we can, we can use it and we can teach it and we can preach it and we can share it without any concern in this, you know, in our current state here. We're just, Father, We know that's a blessing that we have that not everybody has. Father, help us take advantage of that blessing. Help us put it on our hearts, put it on our minds, and be convicted through your word to share it because it's the most important thing we can share. We love you so much. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you all very much. Oh, we got...